Alistair Black! I'm out of the superstars. I'm the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream doing whatever it takes to attract Alistair Black's attention! But the truth is, they all want recognition. Not again. That's a mistake. I refuse to acknowledge a child that throws a tantrum to get attention. Forget it. Oh! Oh! You wanted my attention. You have it. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It is another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me, once again, as always, is the janitor himself, your friend and mine, Josh Custodian. Oh, man, Justin, I'm excited to be here today. This has a big show feel. I'm excited. I'm bringing the heat today. I don't care if you're, you know, sometimes you want to slow us down let's take our time not me let's get to it let's get to the meat of the show how are you i'm doing great i'm doing <sighs> great josh it was a kind of a bad week for wrestling yeah like both raw and smackdown were extremely bad this yes. week especially smackdown uh, i'd say especially raw yeah especially both of them <laughs> i agree uh, but you know i was actually at a party this past weekend wow uh, wow I know, I no need to brag. I got out, and that some of our listeners were there actually oh and they were asking me uh the two guys that i know who really just started watching wrestling like over the last couple months like okay. like went all in after SummerSlam basically okay. it was kind of interesting to talk to them and get their impressions because they were like taking me to task for thinking like that all these guys like Kevin Owens and oh. AJ Styles are awesome. When, oh, like, fuck off! I guess, like, what? I guess, it, but it's kind of true, though. If you just got on board, like, after SummerSlam... Where I mean, AJ had, like, a match of the year contender? I mean, like, look... With a guy he had one week's build on? That's true. That's true. Uh, I, I mean, that was Survivor Series. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm mixing up the two. SummerSlam, AJ, what was he doing there? He was in the Owens match with Shane, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you just came on then... It's tough to put into context, like, all of the cool shit that's gone on over the last, like, sure. two, three years that's, like, made me so invested in these people. I get that. Especially, like, Owens. I fully understand not really liking Kevin Owens if you're just jumping on board right Even now. Even this year, I would argue, has been, like, pretty weak for Kevin Owens. I mean, he did get to headbutt Vince in the face. That which was Which was huge. kind of the greatest thing that's happened on TV all year. Definitely huge, but there are, like, I mean, the, I mean, the right Goldberg squash. Tipping, tipping the ambulance, neck and neck. Tipping oh. the ambulance, headbutting Vince. I'd say. Yeah. 
those are I can't think of anything better than those two off the top Festival of my head. Festival of Friendship. Oh yeah, sorry. So Owens of course is in it. Yeah, never mind. The three greatest yeah, get moments here. this year. Well, Justin, if those listeners are listening, they don't need to know this, but other listeners do because as we know, every time is someone's first time. Welcome to top marks. Yes. Uh, and what we do here, of course, is uh, we break down the top three stories in the world of wrestling uh, at, at, uh, at length. But what length, Josh, would that be? Uh, the length would be exactly 15 minutes, Justin. Which is also the length of... A WCW TV title match? Right you are on As both you. counts. I aced it this week. And of course, uh, what are our topics this week, Josh? Oh, that's a good question. I'll try and do it off the top of my head. Justin, I'm very excited for round one this week. Why is that? Because we're having friend of the show... Great wrestling mind, tremendous writer, vice sports author, Vince Russo, joining us on the show. Vince Russo. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Rob Russo. I swerved you, bro. No. Once again, he is on. Once again, I made a Vince Russo joke. And once again, I'm excited to talk to Rob. I think technically I made the Vince Russo jokes last time. But yes. Who, uh, who did it funny? It is though? the first return guest that <laughs> yeah. we have had on the program. And technically, we've only had two guests ever. Yeah. So uh, having one of them want to come back seems like kind of a big deal. Yeah, like 50% of people want to spend time with me again after the first time, which is way better than my percentage in real life. Exactly. It <laughs> just dominates. Exactly. So that's round number one. We're going to be talking to Rob uh, about an article that he wrote that we kind of talked about a little bit last week when we were doing our NXT breakdown. Yeah, we alluded to it. It's called The Velveteen Dream is WWE's Chance to Move Beyond Gay Panic. And I think we can get more into that when we actually talk to Rob. Great article, something we both want to talk about in The Velveteen Dream. And a delight when we had him on before. I'm sure it will be equally stupendous this time. Equally stupendous indeed, Justin. And in round number two, uh, do you know Roman Reigns? I think I'm familiar with that guy. Do yeah, you he's, like the, he's the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, right? that's the guy. That's the only thing to know about him. Yeah, I just started watching this week. I'm not sure why he's cool. <laughs> no, why does anyone hate, think he's cool? You must hate Kevin yeah. Owens. <laughs> uh, uh, Justin, we're going to talk about him and his buddies, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And uh, they've gotten the Shield back together. They've had a little bit of a run. We're going to talk about what we think of the Shield reunion, where they should go, how it's been going. Does that sound fun to you? Yeah, yeah. we've alluded to this a little bit over the past couple weeks and wanted to talk. Like, talk more uh, at length about it. And I think in a down week this week when both Raw and SmackDown were really bad yeah. is kind of the perfect time to expand on something that's, you know, evergreen, as it were. Couldn't agree more, Justin. Not time-sensitive. Not time-sensitive. Evergreen. Green. Yes. And in round number three... Uh, Cody Rhodes, a man who I have no love for, and his pals, the Young Bucks, said this week, or they sort of made public their intention to to self-fund a 10,000-seat arena for a wrestling show. Uh, I think we should talk about, can they do this? Do we like this? What would they need in order to accomplish this goal? I'm looking forward to this round, because I think we're probably going to disagree on it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, and are we going to play any games this week, or did, <laughs> I, did I put our games out of business after <laughs> I ran the table? Justin, I have to apologize in advance, because uh, you know me. I like to cheer for your downfall. I hate when you win things. Mm. I hate when you succeed. I don't like you to be happy, as you well know. And last week, you went 5 for 5 on our sort of longest-standing game, Sunday Night Tweet. This week, we're playing Sunday Night Tweet again. But there's a little twist. Oh, really? There's a little twist. I'm not going to give it away it yet. up on me, are you? Yeah, I'm going to the old uh, switcheroo. I call another swerve. Oh, of Rob Russo, I geez, suspect. My goodness. All right. Well, yeah, I'm I'm ready, willing, and gable to see what you <laughs> are going to throw at me here. But I do want to say, I feel like the the people, the listeners at home, they kind of no sold my victory last week. Do you think so? Yeah. I mean, it got a, it got alluded to a bunch. We got a, a lot of messages about it, but they were all about like. 
how I got cocky. And oh, then I okay. The, it wasn't there like, was wow, somewhere... I can't believe he did it. You know, I wanted some sure. adulation. And what I got was like sass more than anything. Well, I did. There was, oh, I want to say it was Doug crap, but I, I can't quite remember. And I apologize if it wasn't. But somebody said their jaw dropped when you hit the five for five. And then Michael J. Foist also said something. So there was some. Yeah, I wanted more of those. Well, let me. So you can still send them. Can I adulate <laughs> you here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was blown away. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, it's it's uh, you know I don't know what to say. I just I was on. I was feeling it. I'd gone four for five a couple times yeah. before. I feel like, but never the the perfect five. Yeah, it was quite something. But uh, Josh, we gotta speed this along because I have a staff party to get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why don't we hurry up and dive right into it? It's round number one. Round one. Fight. <laughs> Now, Josh, we are not going to go this alone. We are being joined once again by a return guest, the only return guest in the history of this program. Uh, it is, of course, uh, our friend, the Swerve Master himself. Oh, no. <laughs> Vince Russo. <laughs> no. He's back again. It isn't him. No? What? No, Justin. He's... You got swerved again, you oh, big dope. God damn it. It's the better Russo. We've been through this. The man who actually <laughs> knows something about wrestling writing. Of course, of course. Bro, <laughs> uh, really happy to have you here, bro. Um, it is, of course, Rob yeah. Russo. Uh, yeah. Rob, you are here again, of course. And if I actually could rearrange the letters in your first name, I, I could spell the word bro, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. You are here to discuss another what a article. terrible joke. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> that was like insultingly bad. <laughs> look, I'm just saying, the one guy is named Russo. He says bro all the time. The other guy is named Rob. Yeah, I got it. I understood the, the joke. <laughs> Take it from the end back to the beginning. It's bro. Anyway. So now that you explain it, it's, it's actually hilarious. So. <laughs> <laughs> it went right over my head. It's like, okay. You are back again to discuss another article that you've written for Vice uh, about wrestling. And uh, this one is about, you know, a very cherished wrestler to Josh and I as well. And we talked about him, in fact, last time you were on the show. In fact, this yeah. very topic came up the last time we talked. Oh, yeah. It is the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, well, that's it. It's uh, when I when we talked about that the last time I was on, uh, it kind of sparked the idea for me to maybe write another piece about this. And because I'm a freelancer and the modern uh, gig hell economy, I have to monetize my every single thought that I ever have. So uh, that, that kind of got the ball rolling on that. And uh, yeah, I thought it was an interesting topic for a piece. And uh, so I was happy to get it up there. Well, maybe a pattern could develop here. Maybe we'll touch on something today, and then that will become an article, and then you can come back and talk about that article. It'll yeah, be great. it's great. I know this isn't what the, the crux of the article is, but there was something that really jumped out to me in here, is that the WWE has, or I should say wrestling as a whole, does have something of a history with characters of Velveteen Dream. The point of comparison for me has always been Goldust, right? And I think that's most people's. But you bring up some people further back in history, your Gorgeous George, your, your Adonis's. That I thought that was really interesting. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit, like of the road to Velveteen Dream? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole modern era of wrestling, as we understand it, was launched by Gorgeous George, essentially. And these wrestlers that were willing to sort of that's how they realized they could really like, uh, you know, uh, manipulate audiences and get people to pay to, to, to see them is by playing with these gen these, what were at the time really, really rigid yeah. gender roles and incorporating these kind of elements into their characters. And Gordon's George, like he became one of the most famous athletes on the, in the world at the, at the time from doing just that, you know, he was just this kind of generic uh, dude from Nebraska. <laughs> uh, and he became this massive, massive star and propelled wrestling into this modern era. 
just by putting on a robe and getting his long blonde hair. And like, these are all tropes that we, we recognize as being part of wrestling, but it wasn't always that way, you know? Yeah, there has to be a first. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, these idea of these like gender fluid uh, characters in wrestling, it's a, it has a long, long history uh, in, in, in wrestling, um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, and no. it, it's what I argued in the piece is that it's like it's it's one of the most progressive things about wrestling, but it's also weirdly uh, uh, reactionary as well. Yeah, uh, because these guys were using their sexuality and their 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 this willingness to to mess with gender norms in order to get people to hate them, basically like playing on the prejudices of, of people that were that were coming to see them. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's. Uh... I don't know if catch 22 is necessarily the right word for it, but like you are getting these progressive kind of portrayals and acknowledging that people like this exist, but it's also not progressive at all in that they are like presented as horrific villains essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I was arguing uh, in the piece basically is that it's not that Velveteen dream is the first wrestler to, to incorporate these kind of elements into his character. He definitely won't be the last. What I'm arguing is that, there's an opportunity to do a character like this that feels modern and progressive and that doesn't rely on these kind of like uh, reactive uh, ways to like get heat, basically. How um, much of, of the, do you think is a change between the presentation of the character and how much of it is just a change in the audience itself? Mm. Well, it's, it's definitely both. Uh, you guys talked about it last week. Um, I talked about it and we, we talked about it last time I was on the show. But that's one of the things that I've found cool about Velveteen Dream is the audience's reaction to these like flam these especially flamboyant sort of sexually charged moments, and they just love it. They eat it up, you know. Whereas that would be in the past something that that a heel would would do to like gross out the, the his manly traditionally masculine opponent and get booze from the audience. But you know, uh, Takeover in in Houston, which is not this like you know exactly a, this progressive. Uh, it's not uh, LA. You know, no, no, exactly. I mean. Uh, and he was, they loved it. You know, he was just as over as Aleister Black. And I think if he had won that match, people would have gone crazy for it, you know? And, uh, and with the way it worked out, he did pretty much, you know, it, it was, it was a moral victory for Velveteen Dream. Yeah. And, and the rare moral victory that actually feels meaningful. It's really rare that you can have a match where both guys feel like they come out of it ahead, you know? And yeah, that certainly yeah. was the case. No, it was just it was just terrific. Uh, I just loved the match so much. That whole feud was just tremendous. It, it's so interesting because so much as I read through the article, it's like the WWE was so close a couple times. Like you know, there, it, it, it reminds me. I have a customer who uses the six letter F word for, for the homosexual slur, but he's like, yeah, those guys should be able to get married, but he uses yeah. that word, and it's like. I, like you're, you're I, right there. Yeah, yeah. just like a little further where you get there. I feel that way about the Billy and Chuck situation. Like you were saying, yep. Justin, they had Glad on board at the beginning, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. as your article points out, Rob, they have to come out and denounce them. I mean, it's it's so yeah, close. Exactly. So where, right how much faith and do you I, have in WWE to actually do this with Velveteen Dream to go all the way and not sort of uh, in an exploitative way? Not a lot, <laughs> because we know that NXT is like a totally different sort of beast. Sure, uh, I have. I'm. I'm pretty sure that they're. You know, they they seem to have a, a handle on what they have with the character there. I have very little doubt that he's going to get called up to the main roster as like Stephanie's like flamboyant hairdresser or something, and it's just going to be terrible. Uh, I hope not, though. 
You yeah, know, it, that's that's kind of what I wanted to write the piece for is that there is a chance here uh, they can bring this guy up uh, and have this kind of uh, gender fluid um, character that uh, you know people really respond to in a positive way, and you know, you know, not in a in a kitschy way, but just have a you know he's got all the tools in terms of being able to you know cut a great promo and put on great matches. He can be a, a top top star. Uh, and not have to lean on this, what I call in the piece, these kind of gay panic moments of just like of, of trying to get cheap heat by by and stuff. He you know he can be a, as big a star as anybody, which I think the opportunity for that is really cool. I think one of the more encouraging things that this could work on the main roster as well is like that it was so over at Takeover. Yeah, and this is not like you said. Uh, uh, it, you know, this was right in the heart of Texas, and this was still a packed house playing to an audience the size of which, like, you would typically see on the main roster, and they could not have been more into it. Like, it's hard It's hard for us at home to pick what we like better between Black and Dream versus the War Games match, and it's hard to gauge what the crowd was more into as well, because, like, you go back and you watch that match, like... Part of what makes it so special is that they are just like living and dying on every single moment, and they are yeah. so into both guys. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just it was so great. Uh, I've seen some criticism, not a ton, but people saying that okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna push this, why would you not have it be a gay performer? Uh, the fact that Velveteen Dream Patrick Clark is, a, as far as we know, a heterosexual twenty two year old. Do you think that this is an issue that it, it could be better done? by an actual gay person or is this is this a non-factor i'm not sure it, it, like i i can see that i i get that point but there's also the, the kind of challenge where if you have a gay performer doing that role then it starts to feel like camp yes. or it makes it, it starts to feel like we're making fun of this guy like i thought they were uh, they had the the right way of doing things with darren young where he came out and they they came they publicly supported it they said yeah, we, we support who he is and everything like that. And then they didn't make a huge deal about it, out of his character. Yeah, I there's no fashionista gimmick. Cool. Totally. And, uh, you know, if they hadn't just <laughs> uh, cut, him, cut him loose a couple weeks ago, I'd probably give them a lot more credit for, <laughs> for, for uh, sticking with them. Maybe, after, he, maybe he can help was, sell out those 10,000 seats. Like, yeah, you got maybe, Darren Young. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Mr. No Day's off. You know, you can't do really that. <laughs> He's going to be busy. No, that's, that's, after I wrote that, that Ultimate Warrior story a couple weeks ago that we wrote about, I was like, you know what? Maybe this will maybe this will affect change WWE for the better or do, do a small thing to change WWE. Make them, you know, tra- <laughs> the first thing they do is release them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> I wonder if part of the difference in the reaction between crowds like reacting to gold dust you know 21 years ago or what have you uh versus the way people react to dream today obviously that is a maturation in in social attitudes with the audience itself but it's also kind of a uh you know we are sort of starved as a modern wrestling audience for this kind of charisma and electricity and you know it's definitely like you you, these sexually charged moments um that you mentioned but like there's still a charge there and even if it's homoerotic you know it's still it's still more than we typically get from a lot of guys who don't necessarily have a a lot of characters that you can grab onto or you know the kind of natural charisma that clark obviously has 
Yeah, and I, Goldust is a really is a good example because, like, like you said, I, I think it's both. I think it's like there's there's been a general social change in terms of ev that everyone is more accepting of that kind of stuff now. Uh, and you know, a lot of people brought up Goldust when I published this piece. Oh, what about you know? They probably didn't read it and say, oh, what you know, Goldust says hi and stuff like that. But I think it is important to go back because um, Goldust at the time, 1996, that was, a, I think, in many ways, that was a really progressive character. And it was like for, you know, you didn't see a character like that anywhere on television in 1996. Uh, that's definitely for sure. Um, but when you look away at how those first two, those first couple of feuds played out, <laughs> that's when it got, you know, that's when it got a little bit ugly. And it, you had, I'm specifically talking about uh, his feud with Razor, Razor Ramon. Yeah, unforgivable. Where he had these kind of like, yeah, and just, you know, they're they're locking up in the ring and he kind of like feels him up and then it's, he's grossed out. I mean, ultimately, and, uh, ultimately Scott Hall like refused to work with him beyond a certain point, you know, like. So, yeah. so it's not yeah, just a clearly, yeah. not just a homophobic reaction and, from the crowd, but from the yeah, workers yeah. themselves. <laughs> yeah, and if you'll remember uh, that, I think it was the WrestleMania 12 uh, match with Roddy Piper. It was a lot of the same stuff, and that match ended. Oh yeah, with, like Piper stripping him down. He was wearing lingerie underneath, <laughs> and then just like beating the shit out of him. Basically. I forgot about that. And I think I heard... Yeah, no, it's horrible. It's, it's really, really bad. bad. I think I heard on the Pritchard show that that WrestleMania match was supposed to be with Hall, but he just refused to oh, keep that really? going. Okay, yeah, well, there, yeah. there we go. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, there is some crossover between how those that went. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, so as you know, you can make that argument that, that Goldust was a really progressive character. Uh, it was really like uh, out there for what was on TV. But then when you have the main event WrestleMania feud end end with your your baby face beating the shit out of the guy because he's grossed out by by his like gay overtones. Then yeah, that's not really progressive at all. That's just like pretty nasty. Uh, so that's what I think they have a, they have an opportunity to move on from that kind of stuff with Velveteen Dream. That's what the piece was about. A lot of the people that commented on it didn't quite pick up on that. I think, but uh, that's what I was kind of trying to get across. It's a, it's a difference in presentation too because like Goldust was like clearly presented and intended to be like a freak basically whereas like yeah. velveteen dream is probably much closer to like rick rude than he is to yeah. gold dust yeah he's, he's really similar to rick rude it's just a different uh direction for those energies basically yeah and i, I mentioned that in the piece as well because you think it, it talking about those kind of tropes uh in terms of like the gender fluid stuff Rick Rude was the guy that really leaned into that and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair with the robes and the hair, the, the nature boy gimmick. But like I said, it, it was always done in service of these characters who were presented as these like heterosexual Lothario yeah. characters. You no, know? because I mean, what, what really was Shawn Michaels character? What was Rick Rude's character? They were basically male strippers, right? I mean, that was what, if you that had is, to boil yeah. it down, that's basically what it is. Um, but th there was any of the, 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 you know, um, explicitly sort of, uh, 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 queer adjacent stuff that was totally toned down and it's all in service of these guys as these like you know ladies men uh, type guys I, I think it's important to remember here too that like I think everyone right now of the three of us at least thinks that Patrick Clark Velveteen Dream is a star he's also only 22 like your piece points yeah. out so I think there's there's time I think it's the perfect situation and while I do share your your hesitancies towards you know any sort of optimism. <laughs> if they were ever going to do it, 2017 feels like a very prime year for dialogue, even in that department, just in general. 
And having a guy who's that young and everyone is ready to take as a star, I hope even from a business perspective, they can recognize to steer the ship into this because people are responding. So do you think from a purely just money standpoint, they can see that in Velveteen Dream? I think so. And I think if it was not clear, I think the takeover match proved it. I mean, oh. that, that that audiences are ready for to root for a character like this and to really like get behind uh, a, a sort of really, you know, a sexually ambiguous gender fluid character people are ready to like root for a guy like that and again especially a guy like patrick clark who's so talented so good and so so young and he's still going to improve so much i've heard a lot um, of uh comparison basically to uh like the the triple h rock ic ladder oh, match it's just like yeah. a, That's not bad. a real like star making performance for both guys and yeah yeah, yeah i think so um and that's it. I mean, this was his first major feud, too. So it's like, and, it, you know, at first when there was matched up with Aleister Black, I was like, eh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It, you know, I don't know if Black's ready to sort of like get into this character stuff. And it, it was worked really well for him, too, and showed that he can do the character stuff as well. And you know, like, what I'm excited by is like, you know, who's he going to be matched up with next in the future? There's so many opportunities to place them with guys that are like put them outside their comfort zone and to, and to challenge guys that you wouldn't really necessarily, uh, you know, thought think could handle uh, something like that. I don't think so they I, can even, I'm just excited for the future when it comes to this guy. Me too, man. I, I don't even think they can keep him heel for, for much longer at all. Like it seems to me that everyone is ready to receive this guy and then cheer him on to success. I mean, he didn't, yeah, really, and what, didn't even and really feel like and, a heel in that match. Basically. And to me, the important thing here, this is something that WWE always does, which is a big mistake, where you have these heel characters that become start to become popular, and then they go, okay, well, we're going to turn this guy babyface, and then they immediately drop everything that people liked about the character <laughs> that we're drawing to. And like, so that's, true. That's, that's another thing that I worry about, too, where if they are going to take advantage of that and go, okay, well, let's just turn this guy babyface, people are like him, and then, oh, no, he's going to have a girlfriend to show that he's not. <laughs> and they're going to tone down all that stuff. But, like, no, I think they need to... You know, I they need to let him just do what he's doing now, but just if you want to turn a babyface, just put him, match him up with other heels and let him do exactly the same act that he's doing now, but against a bad guy. And don't don't just drop everything uh, that people are responding to uh, because to turn him in order to turn a babyface. They always do that, and it's uh, it always it always ends up failing. That's really true. And again, I like you know so much. This whole feud was driven by character. And the I, match yeah. too, and I feel like that's really yeah. like why it got such a reaction is because like, I mean, we talked about this last week. We are just starved for this. Like you, there's so many guys on the main roster that have like a blurb, for example, a guy, a guy like, uh, you know, Elias or whatever, you know, he's the drifter, which became like, he's a touring musician and not like a vagrant hobo, which was kind of <laughs> what he originally was. There is space but, for a vagrant hobo gimmick. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's hobo. But, like, <laughs> beyond that, like, blurb of him, like, he hasn't really gotten a ton of time to flesh out, like, who he is underneath that. And that's sort of what this feud was all about and exactly, like, what is missing from wrestling in general these yeah. days. You know what? Another good example is uh, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's a great character, but it's like, what is what is it? What does Bray Wyatt want? Like, what is his actual like purpose? Why is he here wrestling? Oh, he wants to What's worship the sun. Was <laughs> yeah. well, that okay? Well, maybe I'm behind on the time. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's like you're so with, right about that. With Clark, we got like actual like motivations. He made what his motivations 
totally clear. And there was sort of, there was sort of a moment that tied it all together and put a button on it. And it was just, that's it. It was, it was, it was based in character. Uh, it was backed up by really, really great uh, ring work. And that's why people responded to it so much because it's, that's, it's those two things are what we love so much about professional wrestling. It's never just one or, or the other. Uh, it's when they come together like that. Thank you. Those situations where it came together just like totally perfectly. And that's why people uh, are freaking out about it. Like, uh, like, uh, like us. And I, I feel like his character motivation was exactly the crux of your piece as well, because like he wanted to be taken seriously yeah. and not be viewed as a joke, which is yeah. as much a kind of meta motivation within the industry as it is for an actual character thing to want for himself. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I think that's exactly right. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Where can they read this article? Plug all your fun life. Or, or Actually, you know what, Rob? Forget I said yeah. that. I'm going to get this okay. out of the way out the top. His Twitter is at Rob Rousseau. And while we did not have a sponsor this week, I'm going to just use this space to say he's a tremendous follow on Twitter. I would favorite everything he does, except it would seem like an annoying thing. So I'm telling you to follow Rob Rousseau on Twitter. Forget about what he says. Rob, where else can people find you? Okay, that's the second bribe now I now owe to the <laughs> I'll be Venmoing you. Uh, we are very poor, so that's great. No, thank you. No, I, <laughs> no, no, thanks. I really do appreciate that. So, but yeah, I'm on. Uh, that's where I am on Twitter. At Rob Russo, um, this was just—I mean, it's—I tweeted out the piece. It's uh, Vice Sports. Uh, what even is the name of the piece? I can't think of it right now. It's something. On. Uh, I actually have it memorized. Luckily, uh, just it, let me look WWE's in my brain chance. for a second. The Velveteen Dream is WWE's chance to move beyond gay panic. That was off the top yes. of my head. Thank you. I should probably open this before talking in the podcast about it. <laughs> or you could have good ghosts uh, who might have it open. Yeah, we could have <laughs> properly set it up instead of saying that if I rearrange the letters in your name, I can spell bro. <laughs> Maybe that would have been time better served. Yeah, actually, you're the professional broadcaster. Actually acknowledging the article that you wrote. But, you know, maybe I'll get it right next time you're on. Yeah, well, it's okay. I doubt it. <laughs> Honestly, I doubt it. <laughs> Rob, thanks so much for coming on, my dude. Uh, loved the article, and uh, looking forward to more. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, pleasure, to pleasure as always. Love uh, coming on and, and talking about wrestling with you guys. Our treat. Oh, spectacular stuff from our friend Rob once again. The guy only has one temperature, and that is hot because he always brings the heat. Yeah, it's like a little spicy, the stuff that he Do talks not, about, too. Uh, hey, we don't. Too early. Too we soon. only fuck that up at the very okay. end of the show. Okay. <laughs> you okay. know the rules. Yeah, we actually got a review on iTunes this week saying that I hate the Curry Man bit. I think people do. love the show. Hate the Curry Man. Bit. We've also gotten tweets about that. I think people like legitimately do not like it. Like <laughs> yeah, they, not good. Like, it's like they can see the end of the show coming, and with thirty seconds left, they just turn it right off. Yeah. Uh, luckily for them, I have some good news. Which is? We're never going to change it. Fuck you. <laughs> I also have some good news, which is that the end of this show has to be at least a good 45 minutes away. So you're still <laughs> 44 and a half minutes away from turning this thing off. The ride. You can enjoy the ride and jump off early. Yeah. Well, let's get right back into it, though, with round, round number two. Round two. Fight. Justin, you're one of these wackos who really enjoys Captain America, the character, right? Like Captain, yeah. The the guy wearing the American flag yeah, is kind of like, useless. He's my favorite. He's like my, my favorite of the Marvel. He's your heroes. very favorite. Yeah, 
uh, Civil War. Oh and, my god, what a bad choice! And uh, Winter Soldier are like the two best standalone Marvel movies, I think, outside of Thor Ragnarok, which is the best Marvel movie. But we're not going to get into. Let's that. not. I mean, let's keep our friendship intact here. Let's yeah. not bother getting into this. But do and you the know- people who came out to Twelve Kings for Survivor Series last weekend did see us really like nearly come to blows over our opinions on Thor Ragnarok. We had a very real fight in front of some and listeners who I thought it's <laughs> not even that you dislike the movie. I love it. It's that you won't agree that it's the best Marvel movie. No, it's that you said it is the greatest Marvel Com- it's movie. It's the greatest gr- comic book movie, period. Of I, all time. Yeah, of all time. Let's not do this. I stand show. by that. Let's not do this. And we've show. already burned a minute of this shield round. <laughs> Anyways, what were you getting at with Just, Captain America? Do you know what Captain America's main weapon is? A shield. Bada boom, Justin. Oh, wow. <laughs> That was the most tenuous segue <laughs> we've ever had on this show. And you know what? You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. So, thank Justin, you the it. shield the shield is back together. It hit a little speed bump with uh, Roman getting, was it the mumps? What happened to the guy? Uh, yeah, he had, like, a lot of other people were out with, like, viral meningitis. Yeah. But, but Rome, Rome, I almost called them Ronin because I got Marvel characters <laughs> on the brain. No, Roman had the mumps. Yeah. Which is bizarre. I didn't think anyone got that in 2017. Uh, Sidney Crosby had it, like, last year. There was, like, a full-on outbreak of it in the Pittsburgh Penguins locker room. So is it only a disease catchable by, like, pushed baby faces who the public aren't so <laughs> sure on? <laughs> that might be true. But it, I did kind of find that whole thing interesting because... Uh, like, the WWE locker room is a locker room of athletes, yeah. which should be just as susceptible to that kind of outbreak as any sports team. For but sure. But we don't often think about it in those kind of terms. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. But, uh, yeah, he, he missed, like, the bulk of this reunion. Yeah. Being off TV and home uh, recuperating from his face being all fucked up and swollen, which I, I'm so upset that there's, like, no photos. Yeah, I know, like, such a handsome sh- guy. He should have at least, like, taken a selfie and posted it on Twitter to be like, look at my deformed face. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because when Crosby had the mumps, man, that shit was Hilarious. It was outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely great. Justin, overall, so we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here as the round progresses, but overall, have you been excited by the S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion? Uh, not really. This has kind of been an era of Raw over the last like month and a half while the S.H.I.E.L.D. has been reunited where I'm not feeling the show all that much, and I, I do not feel... Like, it's appointment television every single Monday. Like, look, if I can get together with my buds on a Monday night, I'll watch Raw. Yeah. But if I'm working, I'm not going to come home and feel like three hours of television is something that I really need to dive into at, like, 11 or midnight or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't like, think you're alone in that at all. And so, uh, you know, not, I'm not to out myself as somebody who skipped Raw most weeks over the course of this reunion, but I really have done that. Yeah. And I don't feel like I've missed a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I think usually I can surmise it in, like, three minutes, like, the yeah. important parts. You can watch the YouTube clips or whatever. I would know? say if the past couple of weeks, the only, like, Miss like the big miss would be the the Miz and Roman match, which I really liked, which main evented last week's. I want to say, but when, in general, when he won the IC. That's right. Yeah, uh, Justin. In general, though, I, for some reason, I agree with you. For something I waited for for so long, the Shield getting back together. I don't know if it's surrounded by you know weakness that I'm not that into, or exactly what it is. But I'm not that into this. I, I think the chief reason is that there isn't a threesome that I'm super hot to see them feud with. The, the New Day was great, but they didn't get to build that as a feud. It was just put together, and you knew it was big because these guys exist in separate universes. They crossed paths a little bit on the go-home show, but it wasn't like a real feud. You know I mean, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we, we talked about it last week in discussing Survivor Series itself. Like This was a show where, or a match rather, 
where they kept being like it, like the main event. Like, oh my God, Bobby Roode yeah. and Triple H are in the ring together. Or uh, Finn Balor and Nakamura are in the ring together. That all felt big and cool. Yeah. But like Dean Ambrose and Kofi Kingston are in the ring together. Did not, Nothing. Did not feel that way. And I, there's there's reasons for that, I think, both with, you know, there, there's familiarity to that. You've seen these guys. And again, it, 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 but it definitely lacked some electricity. You're 100% right. I also think that, now, I don't think you can write off Roman's injury in this. Because obviously getting something started and then instantly having a, a roadblock is going to hurt the momentum for anything. But I feel like they brought it back, like, too strong. In what way? Oh, oh, sure, yeah. Like, I mean, Roman ultimately missed that TLC main event, and they replaced him with Kurt Angle, of course. But, uh, you know, like, they had to stack up the heel side of that because they just had them, like, lay waste to just the Miztourage. And yeah. then they added the bar into the equation. And you think, okay, well, this is this is probably what it is. And then they just laid waste to those guys. <laughs> and then also Braun Strowman. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, maybe if we stack all of the heels on top of each other, <laughs> they'll make, like, a monster heel. You have to put a trench coat like on a Voltron of heels That's that, right. uh, that maybe the shield can't take down. But, you know, like, when you bring them back in that way, like, A, I guess canonically it makes sense because that's kind of how they were back in the day. For sure. And, of course, all three of these guys now are proven main eventers who have all held the title. Yep. But, like... It's still, like, it's almost boring right out of the gate because you've instantly shown me that there is no one who can go against these guys. Right. And that is, I think, like, extremely worth noting, right? But I do think it gives them a lot of legs for some call-ups. I think down the line, I mean, Sanity versus The Shield seems like an absolute no-brainer, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to see this. They have three people. Nikki Cross can be in the, the women's division for a moment. Wow, it's the 3v3 guys. Even Authors of Pain, if they... I've, I know people like to say the Samoa Joe pairing. Just just something that... You know, and like, e- even if you'd said, like, two months ago, Sanity versus Shield. I don't know that I necessarily would have been super into that. Yeah. But, like, Alexander Wolf has really established himself For over the last sure. two takeovers as being extremely legit, separate from... You know, just be the overall packaging of that group. Yeah, I'd sort of forgotten because his comeback in the not the most recent takeover, but the one before was was mental. Yeah, and, and like for the longest time, you know, I even said this when we broke down the previous takeover. I I never knew his name. You know, yeah, there were those two guys who were not Big Damo, <laughs> and there's Eric Young and Nikki Cross. Yeah, and then one of the guys got kicked out, and then he got cut. Actually, yeah, he got what's his fired name again? last month? Sawyer Fulton? That's it, Sawyer Fulton. Yeah, he is yeah. Uh, no longer for this world. Which, like, what an unbelievable <laughs> tournament. <laughs> Imagine to be, being him. To be in, like, one of the greatest, like, a, a rising <laughs> faction, and then just get injured, and then they kick you out of the group, and when you're back from injury, <laughs> you get fired. <laughs> because, eh, we gave your spot to Big Domo, and it turns out he's way better yeah, than you. Yeah, everyone really likes him. <laughs> Sorry about your luck there, pal. I have fears about that in my own job sometimes, taking time off. Now... What can they do on the roster right now, Justin, that's going to get you more fired up for this Shield reunion? It already looks like they're they're letting just Dean and Seth go back to the tag division and Roman's going to go more singles. I don't know if you're going to see them in a lot of six-mans on Raw. But I kind of, I think this is good, you okay. know? It, because like we said, they are not ready 
to have a bunch of trios matches. There's no one ready to take them on uh, as like a, a, a threesome a unit, or yeah. whatever. And, uh, you know, not to use that word, but yes, a, a, a unit. Let's, let's all go with your <laughs> ah! uh, Got him. So it, it feels like, you know, I don't want to see these guys break up right now. I don't want to see a heel turn. No. But you don't have to break them up. You can just kind of mix it up in that like they get to go do their separate things but they all have each other's back yeah and like, i think we, that's we saw a seth one-on-one match that immediately followed roman being out and yep. they just dapped each other on the ramp as they passed and that is good like i that's, think that's good too just keep them friends just have established friendships they do not need to be in each other's matches all the time but it's good to know that like if roman is getting beat down by someone, anyone. Dean and Seth will come. There's somebody who will have his back and come out. Yeah, I think basically what you're saying, and I couldn't agree more, is basically just don't force it. Let them do their thing, and if another threesome emerges that somebody you're crying for, the Shield can get back together and face them. Not back together, but, you know, unite for a trios match in lieu of a bunch of singles matches. And it's kind of fitting now that you brought up the Avengers off the hop here, because (laughs) this is kind of what it is. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to see them scatter and go do their own separate movies, but then, you know... Justin, why do you think I did that? If suddenly a Thanos appears, then all of the members will re-team together, and, you know, Avengers Assemble, the shield is back. As we know, I'm a very profesh broadcaster, and I foresaw this, and, uh, you know, (laughs) that's why I brought that up. Can I say how much I hate this Roman Reigns Open Challenge, though, with the IC belt? Okay, sure. I absolutely hate this. I I cannot believe WWE sometimes. The guy gets nothing but booze for, what, three years because people go, he's just Cena, too. He's just Cena. He's being shoehorned as the new Cena. All these, like, they could not be deaf to people being like, we don't want him pushed as Cena. Mm-hmm. Now what does he do? He's doing exactly what Cena did. The exact... But let me defend it, though. Go ahead. Let me tell you why this is actually good. Oh, because, so I'm wrong. Yes, Okay, you go are. ahead. Go you ahead. are, because... It be- turns out I'm right, because, though. Because, no, you're not, because everything that we didn't want... Uh, you know, like him to just be pushed above everybody else and to win all the time. Yeah. That is what people hated about Cena. Yes. The open challenge is actually what people loved about Cena. This is what turned the tide. Because, look, we both agree that Roman has good matches. Definitely. Consistently. That he has chemistry with everyone. And that most people, like you've mentioned on the show before, do say that if they're going to have a match with anyone, they want it to be with Roman Reigns. Definitely. Quite often. You are going to see that week after week after week, or at least for like the next three months or so, while he does this every week. Yeah. And... That's not a bad thing to let Roman have good matches with guys on the undercard and let them go the distance. Because that's the thing about the Cena Open Challenge was that the, it wasn't Cena squashing guys. It was Cena kicking out of everyone's Every finisher. finisher. <laughs> but it was like they were all really good matches for yeah. the most part outside of maybe like Stardust and Xavier Woods. Those are the two, yeah. Um, but some absolute classics. In Absolutely. There too. Yeah. So if you let Roman do that, then the, you are giving him a real opportunity to get over by people appreciating what he brings to the show week after week. I I totally, I bought him to top agree with everything you said there. I just wish it wasn't called the Roman Reigns Open Challenge. He can have matches on television every week. But like, AJ did it. Owens was sort of doing it. Did AJ it. do it? Yeah. He did it once, didn't he? Hey, Gable came out and answered it. That's the only one I can think of. Uh, Corbin tried to answer it. Ty Dillinger. He did it for like a month and a half, two months okay. or so. It's been done by other people than Cena since 
Cena, but that's always been like the U.S. title. But thing. I don't think it's been like weekly every Monday. You tune in for the Open Challenge, has it? Am no, I it's been on SmackDown. Or so. sorry, every Tuesday, like that laid out, like the Cena one was. Wasn't I mean, it? well, not really, because the U.S. belt at that time on SmackDown wasn't like it was like. Even though it was the top guy, it was still in the undercard, right. which I guess is what Cena was also. But Definitely. they also put him in a prominent spot within the three hours every time, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, I think it was, like, the beginning of hour two every week, if Ye- I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it, either beginning of hour two or beginning of hour three. I can't remember. Either but way. Like the like, top of an hour. Yeah, a pretty, a pretty prominent position within Raw. And you knew you were going to get a good match. And suddenly that became a, like, a spot where guys debuted. It was, like, oh, yeah. a rad Sami thing. Zane, yeah. And, like, look. This is not going to be a long-term title run. No. It's something that they just put on him so that he could be a Grand Slam champion. And because Miz is filming a movie. Well, and look, and last I think time, they want the three belts on the three guys again. Last time Miz left to film a movie, they let him keep the belt. And he oh, was just right. a satellite IC champion from the set of the Marine 5. I forgot about that. Him and Maurice would cut like some cell phone videos. Yeah. Of how he's, I forgot about that, yeah. So like, I'm kind of glad that they decided that maybe <laughs> a guy who leaves TV for two months at a time... <laughs> is not a great champion at a time when Brock Lesnar, our top champion, is also not going to be on TV yeah, for that I entire mean, you time. You really need to address that. So it elevates the IC belt, and it lets Roman get over just by having quality matches. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. But I, you know, I, we talked a little bit last week about how, how I want to see this Shield thing go down in the end. And ultimately, I do hope that it is with Roman turning heel. Yeah, yeah, as we it, talked about. It is I, yeah. time to finally... Lean into that. You know who that sounds a lot like? What? Who? Us for a decade with Cena. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I now guess. this is the main. But like we we like Roman. We liked him when he had that dark edge. Yeah. When he was like a silent, brooding badass in the Shield. Yeah, for sure. It seems like leaning into it would give people a reason to eventually come around and actually like him. When he turned face again, you know? Like, that's part of why I'm into the Sami Zayn heel turn, is that it gives Sami an opportunity to actually have real character development, and then he can take that character and be a babyface. Totally, yeah. And and I think it works better with Sami than anybody else, for reasons we could talk about on another show. But do you think they're putting the tag belts back on to Seth and Dean here next week? Yeah, because I think you want that visual. Just the image, Once again, like three years ago when Dean was the U.S. champ. Can like I, you, you want to see like all three of them have belts at the same time. Totally. Can, can I just say, as good as the matches have been, we really need to move on from the bar versus Dean and Seth. But it's kind of like SmackDown now. They've like painted themselves into a corner with these two yeah. top teams in that no one is really on their level. And it's true, but they need... I, Next week has to be the last time I see these guys face off yeah, for me. It's just like we came into this thinking that Dean would be the one to turn heel out of it. At this point, that feels so obvious that, oh, uh, I need it to be Roman. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And 15 minutes right there on the shield. And, uh, I mean, we have time for a, a, a game. And oh. You said Do we ever have time? A little bit more interesting after I ran the table on you last week, of course. So what's the what's the new, uh, you know? Well, Justin, I'm going to explain the Sunday su- night tweet. I'm going to explain the Sunday night tweet rules for those who may have not listened before. I'm going to tell you how this week's is different at the tail end. Okay. Okay. Sure. So Sunday night tweet every week. Josh Custodio, me, myself. I traverse Twitter.com and I look for the sort of weirdest or funniest or just any sort of tweet from someone on the WWE active roster that stands out to me. I then read these tweets aloud, and young Justin Morissette here has to try and guess them based off of 
next to no information. There's how many people on the active roster? Like close to 120, 130. 120 to 130 people, and he has to guess based off of nothing. Maybe more, maybe 150. You never know. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, now, Justin, last week, for the first time, went perfect. He somehow guessed all five of these tweets, which is tremendously impressive. We celebrate him for it. Justin Morissette, we speak your name, but... Why, thank you. Around here. Yeah, say my name. Justin. Morissette. That's all I really wanted. Here we are. <laughs> the, uh, who's Velveteen? Anyway. Uh, it's, this week, however, Justin, I have done this. I've scoured Twitter. I've found five tweets that I have yep. here on my phone screenshotted. Yes. But you only have 15 seconds to guess each tweet oh. in question. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it's one of those things where last week I really showed my work, you know? Yes, I yeah. puzzled it all out. And the people got to go along on the mental journey with me. Now, I just want to tell you, much like the 15-minute time limit in our rounds, if you don't make a guess with the 15... This isn't like 15 seconds. Oh, we're going to need a guess. I'm buzzing you at 15 seconds. And we're just moving on, and that one's count as, as nil. As zero. So you really have 14.99 seconds to make your guesses. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Are you ready for... What do I call this? Uh, Sunday Night Tweet. Lightning edition. Yeah, because lightning is fast. Yeah, of course. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Ka-chow. <laughs> Justin, are you ready for tweet number one? Let's do it. This one has a photograph of the, is it called the Zoe Train, all the cruiserweights? Yeah. Okay, so the Zoe Train standing in the middle of the Monday All the heels. Night. That's right. Sorry, yeah, yeah the, the yeah. five heels. And the tweet reads, our posse, greater than sign, your posse. Step up, Hideo Itami. Hashtag cruiserweight. Hashtag 205 Live, hashtag raw. All right, so I'm guessing that it's one of the 205 Live cruiserweight heels. It's someone in the Zoe train, yes. So uh, mm, I feel like it would have been uh, classier than this. Oh, dude, I'm, th I'm leaning Drew Gulak because I love him, but I'm going to say Tony Nice. Justin, you did it under the 14 seconds. You had it and then didn't. And then I lost it. It was Drew Gulak. God damn it. I figured he would be classier with his language. But your answer is the man I know next to nothing about. He's got the abs, Tony Nese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, what a great guy. <laughs> See, it just seemed like a flat, boring tweet. And Gulak would make it more interesting. That's so true. I went with the flat, boring niece. But my streak has already been broken. The streak is over. It's over. Should I give you more than 15 seconds? No, 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 no. I, I, I still puzzled it out a little bit. Okay. But let's keep this going. Tweet okay. number two. Set the timer. Here we go. Tweet number two. Justin, this one's a little tricky. I just have to read this one verbatim. Go for it. Love seeing folk wear surgical masks in public, but why stop there? Get your soul. We rubber gloves. Big goggles. Tay never hoof the sniffles again, you hen. Tay never hoof the sniffles again, you hen. Yeah. That can only be one man, and it's the Scottish supernova Noam Dara. It I'm not is even the Scottish supernova I'm not even going to pretend that I don't know who it is, because we <laughs> simply do not have time for that this week. Justin, you're one for two. Oh, perfect. Are you ready for tweet number Let's three? Let's do it. NXT full sale today, huh? Mama's coming home. NXT full sale today, huh? Mama's coming home. Who is even left in the women's division? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's After coming all those back. Ups. She's coming back to full sale. Uh, Paige, maybe. Just dropping in. That was a good guess right under the buzzer. It is not Paige. It's you only live once. 
Liv, Liv Morgan. Morgan. Ah, of course. The the only person who seems to be able to talk of those two <laughs> factions. What happened to Paige? Yeah. She used to be a good promo. I thought she was so awkward on Monday. Yeah. That whole segment. We are I don't know if we're gonna get into it. Maybe here. Mandy did fine, I thought. I thought she was so stagnant. Oh, really? Or Sonya not stagnant. was bad. Sonya, Sonya was awful. But like Mandy was fine. I thought she was okay. Yeah. And I thought Paige was really stumbling. And, then and Liv and Ruby was I I don't know. I thought Ruby really underperformed too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Justin, this next tweet is, uh, you know what it is. It's one of those quote tweets that the kids love. Of course. So the the tweet being quoted comes from WWE, and it says, Sounds like, I'm just going to say the people's names rather than their handles. Sounds like Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin have plans for the holiday season, and it's for the SmackDown Live tag titles. The tweeter in question quotes this tweet and says, Simmer, Gabe. You're only one paternity test away from looking for another athletically gifted partner. Wow, that is a wonderful tweet. <laughs> Isn't that very it's good? It's really very excellent. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, is that the Usos? It is not the Usos. Really, who else could you guess? But it's uh, Big E. It's Big E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't oh, that a right. good tweet? That is excellent. Yeah. I was really happy with that one. I, I guess the Usos, because I'm pretty sure they share a joint Twitter account. Yeah, I think you're right about yeah. that, yeah. Like the Bellas. Justin, I'm really doing very bad. I'm one for four. This is really quite the turnaround. The time limit does seem brutally unfair. (laughs) I have been humbled. Has your back been broken? Yes. Yes. Very good. Mm -hmm. You ready for uh, tweet number five? I suppose so. Let's do it to it. Okay. It says, time to call up the lunatic. The shield is about to have all the titles. Hashtag break the bar. Hashtag raw. Hashtag believe that. I... That can only be Seth Rollins. Ding, 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 ding. Justin, I wasn't going to give you the chance to think yourself out of it. It was <laughs> Seth Rollins. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think Roman would say anything about break the bar. No. Yeah, and calling up Dean was exactly what Seth kept talking about on Raw, because he was off on his honeymoon. I just wasn't sure if hashtag believe that might throw you off the, the trail, but you were too smart, Justin. Can I mention Morgan. something here quickly? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Because we often, I, I bring up that I read like the Cage Side Seats rumor roundup yeah, yeah, yeah. every night when it comes out at 10 p.m. Uh, Western. Hey, they don't pan for advertising. Pacific time, regardless. It could be any time for us. <laughs> regardless. Uh, there was a item in the rumor roundup on Tuesday that I thought was outrageously stupid <laughs> to be included in this, what which was, was uh, that it can, it said that Dean Ambrose missed Raw because he was on his honeymoon in Hawaii with Renee Young, and that Seamus also missed Raw because he was on a sabbatical to <laughs> Ireland. And I was like, that is exactly what they fucking said on TV. <laughs> what a Why rumor. would you put that in as a rumor? <laughs> I guess, like, confirming that, like, what they said was actually the real reasons. Adjusted, actually. But it seemed so, like, there's usually only, like, five items listed per day. That is so bad. And what a waste of a bullet point. Just tell me what I already (laughs) knew. Justin, this actually seems like a great time to debut my new segment, Josh's Rumor Mill. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So there's, I'm just going to get right to it. There was uh, a hot rumor this week. I cannot reveal my sources, but... uh, Okay, so Josh's rumor mill. Here we go. You mm-hmm. cannot follow up any questions here. I'm just going to say it, mm-hmm. and we're going to move on to round number three. Okay? okay, okay. The rumor is Roman Reigns is the IC champion. Oh. So I, don't. 
I heard a rumor as well, actually. Well, this is my segment. I got I got a rumor of my own. Okay, hang on. Let's switch over to Justin's rumor mill. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, that's my segment is over. Okay, I heard. Rumor has it. Word on the street is. Go ahead. Read it in the dirt sheets. Go ahead. Elias, <laughs> the drifter himself. Go ahead. Was was gonna get a title shot on this past week's Monday Night Raw against who? I don't know. Could have been anyone. Well, that segment will never be brought back. And with that, how about we move on over to, to round number three? Round three, fight. Justin, what's the the biggest crowd you've ever been in? Do you know? Uh, I don't. Probably at the Olympics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they were estimating in terms of how many people were out on the street, but like a lot. Yeah, my number, the number just rough off the top of my head was three billion. That sort of rings a bell. Yeah. Maybe like eight, maybe close to eight billion. Yeah, there might have been. I was downplaying because on the show we like to stay grounded in reality. Uh, Yeah, of course. (laughs) It's like the most absurd (laughs) wrestling show. (laughs) (laughs) We barely talk about the actual Yeah, Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Every single person on earth was at the venue. That's actually what I heard. Anyone who wasn't, it was such a global celebration that they all passed through. Justin, speaking of a global celebration, Cody Rhodes this week, he comes out, or I think what happens is a a dirt sheet reports that uh, Ring of Honor is looking into a 10,000 seat event. Cody retweets that or quote tweets like the kids love and says, more details to come, but actually this is self-financed and uh, yeah, we have to decide on the location and then I'll let you guys know more. Yeah, I I first saw it from Meltzer and I think uh, Cody had probably spoken publicly about it already first and he was just saying that he wished them well and really wants this to succeed. Which, right. As anyone who follows the industry should, you know? Absolutely. So if it's just without any other knowledge, do you think that with using only active people on the indies, I know that we can talk about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and this sort of thing, and we will later in the round, mm-hmm. but of active people who are not under contract anywhere, do you think they can sell out a 10,000-seat arena? I, I mean, de- define not under contract. Does that mean not under contract literally Anywhere or simply not under contract to WWE? WWE and I think New Japan wouldn't let their top guys go over. Like, I don't think you're going to see Okada or Naito come to to America for that. But do you think, like, Kenny Omega could probably work it? <sighs> he does feel like the X Factor in some ways, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he'd make that big of a difference for ticket sales. And I know I'm going to get strung alive for this, but I think he draws too much from the same pool as Cody and the Young Bucks. The, bigger, the difference of people who would... By if Omega's there versus Cody and the Bucks, I don't think it's a giant number. But I, let's say for the see, sake of this, they can use but, Omega. But see, no, you are correct that it is a very similar pool, but I think in adding him into it, he puts it over the top for people that would be on the fence. Yes. Because if yeah. you tell me that Kenny, uh, or rather the Bucks and Cody and, you know, Marty Squirrel, like Bullet Club guys in general. Yeah. Like, this seems like it's a Bullet Club show. Like basically. when the NWO did their own pay-per-view yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you, to- if you told me that those three guys are putting a show together, I'm interested. Yeah. If you tell me that Kenny Omega will also be there, my interest is, like, at another level where suddenly maybe I make a trip out of this. And I'm surprised yeah. that you are so down on this, given that you literally... You know, you and two of our friends, Mike and Max, yeah. are hopping on a plane on New Year's Day to <laughs> yeah. go to Japan specifically to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a fun trip. You're there for like eight days or so. Eleven, yeah. Eleven. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, you're going for to Wrestle see King. Wrestle yeah. Kingdom and not just Wrestle Kingdom. You are going 
for Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Yeah. I, first of all, the second half of that equation, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, matters a lot for me personally. But but I, I'm not saying that it, my interest wouldn't be greater if Kenny Omega were there. I just think like ticket sales relative to just Cody and the Bucks versus Omega on it isn't that great. But maybe I'm wrong. And I think there is a difference if it's an Omega singles match. Because I think Omega's starting to get this reputation of in multi-man matches when it's the elite, the six mm-hmm. men. It's a lot of the Bucks doing things, and Cody, or not Cody, sorry, uh, Omega is starting to get a bit of a reputation for sort of calling it in at the rare American indie he does work in the six-man. Getting an indie Omega singles match is becoming quite the rarity. So I think if you can get Omega matched up with another big singles, I don't know, off the top of my head, maybe a Zack Sabre Jr. or something, that, that has some legs. But I don't. I still don't think that's enough for ten thousand seats. Well, we we were kind of kicking around some like indie dream matches. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that I came up with was Brian Cage versus Ryback. I would love that. Which you put that on that card suddenly, like that is it's a major hoss battle, and I'm interested. How funny is it that we're pitching a Ryback idea on the show, and it's <laughs> not me? <laughs> uh, I did come up with this independently. I know. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I, you I hate Ryback. I, but I, I love Brian Cage, yeah. and I think those two guys could do something incredible together. A lot of reason to think that. Um, yeah. I do feel like you are right, though. You need some sort of outside uh, influence. And maybe they do this show... In America, but like close to the border, like somewhere in Texas, perhaps. Sure. And you put someone on the card who's gonna draw from Mexico because you're basically saying Rey Mysterio, yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure like who else has that kind of drawing power because who's like, even the second biggest? CMLL Penta? does very well. Yep. And like I'm sure you could put Penta Elohim on that show for sure, and that would draw from Mexico. But like you know, Penta headlined like a Defy show down in Tacoma. Yep. Against and, Cody Rhodes, and we wanted to go see that. Yeah. Because uh, you know. My roommate Brock is a diehard Lucha Libre fan, barely watches WWE, only watches like Lucha Underground and CMLL. He's a weirdo. Yeah, but it seemed like that would be an awesome show. Oh, yeah. But we didn't go, you know? Uh, It wasn't a big enough draw for us as gringos, as it were. (laughs) Wow, how dare you. But, you know, like for a Mexican audience close to the border in Texas, you probably do draw a lot of that. I think that's true. When you think about the way that WWE booked the Rumble the first time they played the Alamo Dome. Yep, 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 that's right. uh, I listened to the Pritchard podcast about that, Uh, and they intentionally went out of their way. It was like a joint pay-per-view with CMLL because they were leaning on Mexicans coming over the border to fill up that arena. I think it's worth noting noting here that CMLL for their biggest event, Triple Mania, does 20,000 seats, okay? A lot of that comp to, from what I understand, about 2,000, so about 18,000 paid seats mm-hmm. for their biggest event. So I think that's good context for what we might be looking at here, for what, what 10,000 actually looks like. So if, if you put a match on this card that's like Rey Mysterio versus Penta, or yep. Rey Mysterio versus like Phoenix, yep. or... You know, if you can book him before he goes to WWE, get like Ricochet on this show. Sure, as uh, Prince Puma, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like there, there's definitely something you can do to hook in that audience. And look, we talk from time to time about like, oh, how sweet it would be to like do the WrestleMania trip. And it, it's like it's very expensive yeah, to do it really that. Is. I I do feel like, and granted, we don't know when this show is going to be or where it will be. But, like, this probably is going to be a manageable ticket price and an affordable trip overall. That if I wanted to make a trip out of this, and I might, depending on what they're going to do here. If it's in Chicago, there's a good chance I'll want to go. Yeah. I've never been to Chicago. Yeah. And 
So if it is, let's fucking go, bud. Let, here, I'm shaking your yeah, hand. Let's do it, we right? We just shook hands, folks. Yeah, let's do it. We can't break that. Yeah. It's, okay, so but I if think it's there's... Also, if it is going to be in Chicago, there's plenty of reason to do that because that is, A, where Pro Wrestling Tees is. And that yes. I think the success of Pro Wrestling Tees is a big reason why they feel that they can do this. No question. Because I don't think you can divorce the two. Be, because one of the reasons, of course, that like Cody is doing so well on the indies is that every time he moves merch the bulk of that money goes straight to him yep. instead of WWE. Uh, and, of course, they were doing so well that they launched a storefront, and the storefront was so popular that it like had a lineup not just around the block, but several blocks, yeah. basically. insane. Uh, so if they do do it in Chicago, Colt is probably going to be on the show, yep. you would think. And then possibly, if there's one show, if there is one show that is going to get CM Punk to come back to <coughs> professional wrestling. Oh, stop it. It's probably this one, right? It, like, it does seem like it would be something with the Bucks involvement, right? Yeah, because like, even on the Cabana podcast, he one of the things he said was like, look, if I'm going to come back and do something in wrestling again, the guys that I want to work with are the Young Bucks. Oh, man. You, Punk coming back, would, I mean, forget it. But I would, oh, forget it. I think you need to pull the trigger. If you want to sell 10,000 seats and I'm those three, you need to pull the trigger on the Young Bucks singles match. Matt versus Nick. I think that that's a ticket mover. I think you say that this is the only time this is going to happen. You make that an event. And then I think you need to introduce a belt of some kind. I don't know what for. This is not a fleshed out idea. But you need to have things that you can – you need to be here this night because these things can only happen here. There's a lot of great wrestling. There are a lot of indies. Even what culture shows, not as much now, but they look like super cards of the indies. Like mm -hmm. three, four deep of matchups you want to see once you start including the Matt Riddles and people like that. Mm -hmm. I think they need to go. This is this is more than an elite level. You're going to see more than great wrestling. There's going to be stakes and there's going to be stories. I mean, look, our local indie that we have promoted multiple times ECCW, on the show, ECCW. Yeah. We are probably going to do a preview show once again for Ballroom Brawl. Come we should probably actually contact them about January. That. Yeah. Uh, given that last time we did that, it went very well. Yeah. Uh, but look, like they do two big shows a year at the Commodore Ballroom where they are expected to sell between 1,200 and 1,600 tickets. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, yeah. When you put the ring in there, how much it limits, how much you can sell. Let's say roughly 1,000. It's more 12. than 1,000. Okay. It's, like, it's, you know, 12 to 1,500 basically. Cool. So essentially, you need to sell eight times that. But all ECCW is doing to like make this show a draw is booking Joey Ryan and putting him in an intergender tag match: Joey Ryan and Nicole Matthews versus uh, Christina Von Erie and Scotty yes, Mack. Which I'm very excited for. Like Joey Ryan is a big enough draw in this market that they can sell that many tickets. Yep. Now, if you stack Joey Ryan on top of like 15 other guys and put it in Chicago, like. It seems feasible that they could do this. I just feel like you do hit a point of diminishing returns in that scenario, where the amount of people that are interested in seeing that level of indie wrestler have already bought tickets. You've got them. And if you add Joy Ryan, if you add Colt Cabana, I feel like the Young Bucks probably already get a big portion of that fan base. And of course, people want a deep card. But I th really think you need to go outside of that to get break through that glass ceiling and get to the next level. Well, okay, we talked about New Japan not being willing to probably let their top Japanese stars come over. Yeah. But one guy that we know is not under contract really anywhere and gets to call his own shots and do whatever he wants is Kota Ibushi. And is oh. he a big enough Japanese draw to be added to a card like this? Say, good, look, good if, you, if you do bring back CM Punk, Punk versus Ibushi, 
Justin, this is why you're the wrestling pariah. I have been on t- wrestling Twitter. I all taken in all this content. I've seen no one pitch Kota Ibushi for this show, and it's a fucking great idea. Yeah. So kudos to you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want to see Punk with Ibushi for the record. Uh, but I think There's Ibushi, like a more interesting. Yeah, I think you let's go Punk to... Ryback. Probably that's the best match. Oh my god, I hadn't <laughs> considered that. Uh, I think I think if you're do- dude, Punk Ryback actually kind it of w- works. It actually would be a big draw. That actually is a draw. <laughs> but I do think for Punk, if Punk, if it's going to be Punk's return feud, you have to have someone. It's a waste of him to not have somebody he can promo against. Yeah, it's that's an true. Absolute waste. That's true. I'm just trying to book like the best actual wrestling. Sure, match. I think Ibushi on the card makes a, a tremendous amount of sense. Now, now, what are these rumors that they're going to wait till Daniel Bryan's contract expires and try to get him in on this? I'm not sure. Like, look, we all know that Bryan wants to wrestle again, and we've talked about How do we bu- know? <laughs> oh, he tells us constantly. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I forgot. And we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Ian Williams, that if they were going to do this, yeah. Daniel Bryan would be the guy. Yes. But uh, I saw a report in Sports Illustrated that Brian looks very much like he is planning to re-sign with WWE, which maybe is an indication that he feels like he might get cleared there, or yes. maybe he has to leave temporarily to work a match somewhere else so that they can see that he can do this and it's no big deal and that they can utilize him in the same way that they utilize Kurt Angle, and then he can come back, Ooh. which would be, like, if he was going to do You're on one fire match, today. It kind of would be at this show, right? And I feel like if you're Cody and the Bucks, you already know. You already have this ace up your sleeve that you that you have one of these guys who can be a big draw. Dude, if Daniel Bryan's, Daniel Bryan's return match gets them very close to 10,000, right? Just on its own. Bryan versus Punk. I mean, Bryan versus Punk is, I think they can do it if they get that. I don't think, I think there's just way too much that has to move in order to make that work. But if for some reason all the stars align and they can get Bryan versus Punk, I, I think they don't really struggle all that much to for 10,000, especially in Chicago. Yeah. Like, I, I think that that's very doable. But I think without those guys, I, it's it sucks to say, but I think unless it's someone who has gotten the WWE, think WWE sells out ten thousand multiple times there's, in a week. There's such a curiosity to this, though, beyond just like, look, I know that Ring of Honor does big shows every year that sell tops like maybe three to four thousand. I don't know? even think even Final Battle does three thousand. Yeah. Okay. So three thousand. Yeah. Uh, but like, I I'm much more curious in this as just like. Uh, a special attraction within the wrestling industry yes. than knowing that Ring of Honor is doing one of their yearly pay-per-views. You know? Yeah, man. Listen. I'm never... I've, it's never crossed my mind that I need to buy a plane ticket and catch a flight to go see a Ring of Honor pay-per-view. But this, like... Yeah. This is not just... This is a, a big-time prove-it moment for the indies, and I do feel like that alone is a bigger draw than just a Ring of Honor show. Like, yes. I do... I, if if this is going to be like the dawn of a new indie era, I want to be there for it. You know, yes, I yeah. I desperately want to go to this, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are just like me, and we don't even have any idea what the card is going to look like. Justin, yet. there's no one just like you. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. I mean it. <laughs> I am cheering for these guys. I want to make it very clear. I know I came across a negative here thinking that it doesn't. I don't think it's all that likely just because you're drawing for so much of the same pool. But I think it's very punk rock. I think it's awesome that they're trying to break away. And I think it would be good for the health of pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Absolutely. This whole Cody run has been an experiment in the viability of making the business happen outside of the corporate umbrella. And there's no bigger hill to climb and, and test to prove yourself against than this. <laughs> There we go. Wow.
good around. Yeah, I feel like you really outshone me there. I'm glad I'm not doing the the keeping track anymore. <laughs> I would have definitely given you that one. All right, Josh, it's time to bring the people on board before we give them the go-home cue. Hello to the people. Yes, it is time to answer some listener questions. Oh, I love this part of the show, Justin. Yeah, it's like the people get to feel like they're really here in the room with us. Even though they're not. I mean, one of the guys who wrote in is actually here in the room with yeah, us. Yeah, Mike is here in the room with <laughs> us. So. <laughs> Uh, That's enough. <laughs> hey, Cole Cabana, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Justin, you're on fire on today's show. I'm doing Normally, good. you suck, but you are you are so good. I'm this having week. a good day. Yeah, you are. You're on fire. How about how about we jump into it with a question from the lovely Caitlin H, who asks: Pick one current non WWE wrestler or tag team who you think should never sign with WWE and explain why you feel that way. Um, I have an easy answer here, and that ties directly into our last round. Go ahead. Uh, it's the Young Bucks. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, like they've kind of proven, even before Cody hopped on board with their movement, and I think it is their movement more than his. Even oh, though he's, for sure. He's, he's doing a trial balloon, like we've said, for guys within the company who might want to leave. It is very much something that the Bucks got rolling before he hopped on board with. And, uh, you know, they don't need to do it, and they shouldn't do it as well, because, like, their whole thing is a throwback to WWE nostalgia that we all know and love from, like, the late 90s. Yeah, and, nothing they do works and they, in the WWE. Yeah, they clearly would not be allowed to do that within the company. Though, I don't know, maybe not, because, you know, they, they WWE keeps teasing that, like, the Bullet Club is... I, WWE. I don't think they're hitting tombstones and suckets in the true. WWE That is ring. very true. That's that's just my lean, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, their entire move set would be changed. Like everything about them basically would not fly within WWE, so they should just never do it. Justin, my answer for this is Zack Saber Jr., uh, a guy who I really enjoy watch wrestle, but does not work the WWE style in any capacity. I thought he didn't shine that bright in the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, I don't think they would know to know what to do with a guy who was ground and submission based. Daniel Bryan's kind of the closest, but they got him to even evolve from there. The flying moves. I don't want to see that from Zack Saber Jr. He is a, a wholesome thing that I like for what he is, and I want him to stay that I way. I mean, we're gonna see what happens in this progression of Kyle O'Reilly basically over the next little while. Yeah, he's, a little he's, bit. He's very I mean we talked last week about being very like MMA based yeah, in his moveset. It will be interesting. Yeah, but Zack Saber Jr. Uh this one comes to us from uh Previously, Michael J. Foist. Oh, what? But now he's at Coca-Cola LLC. Oh, yeah, sorry. We're talking to Coca-Cola. I am Coke now is his name. This is not Michael I, J. Foist. No, sorry. he's a proud sponsor of this program. But still, hello, Michael. the official podcast of uh, Coca-Cola. Feels good to be here. And this episode also brought to you by Star Wars The Last <laughs> Jedi in theaters this <laughs> Christmas or so. We, we, we don't really know, but they felt like you wouldn't have heard about the movie if they didn't sponsor this show. Yeah, this so. is our last episode. We're cashing out on a Coca-Cola sponsorship <laughs> and Star Wars. Yeah. Anyways. What does Coca-Cola ask? Coca-Cola asks, what wrestler would <laughs> this you... This is a good bit. What wrestler would you not want to be stuck in an elevator with for three plus hours? Oh, God. All of them? I don't know. Uh, who's, like, the most conservative... Who, I can think of who I'd most probably want to. like Kane. Honestly, like I do not, I would not want to be 
like talking policy with really any of the guys who've tried to run in yeah. like civic politics. Like I'm sure Rhino would be just as bad as yeah. well. But Enzo like, seems horrid. I could also just avoid talking about politics with Rhino and really get into it over the course of his like entire career, though, right? Yeah. Like, like we could just talk about ECW for three hours. And like my original thought was probably like Jerry Lawler because just like contemptible oh, sure. views, not necessarily politically, though I'm sure he is that too, but really like about women and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, uh, not but great. at the same time, that's the guy that I could probably talk to for, you know, at least an hour of those three hours about like Andy Kaufman and like that whole era of Memphis yeah, wrestling. Yeah, for sure. So there's some good stuff there too. So, I don't know. Who who seems like they smell? Killian Dane? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, you're probably bang on correct with uh, that. The hairiest man on the roster. I, I'd want to hang out with him, though. Uh, in an elevator for three hours, I don't want to be trapped with Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, no. I like Shinsuke Nakamura, but I also love talking. Yeah, you'd run out of uh, things to talk about. I know about. that's like a pragmatic, boring answer to take here, but but I'll, I'll go with uh, Uncle Shinsuke. All right. All right. I'm going to go Killian Dane, but you know who I would love to be locked in an elevator with? Go ahead. Hideo Itami. <laughs> you and Hideo. It's enough for It already. will never stop. Ugh. It will never stop until he's cruiserweight champion. Justin, I have a very important question for you for this next one. And it comes to us Go from ahead. Scoots Brodo, that's Scoots on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he asks the old Reddit conundrum, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? And then he has a follow-up, which of you could could beat more duck-sized horses? So between the two of us, who could beat more duck-sized horses? I'm going to take duck-sized horses. Yeah, me too. And I think I could kill them all, honestly. Whoa! Yeah. You think all hundred? Yeah, dude. If they're, like, coming at me, they're, like, charging at me, and I don't have to, like, chase them down. Okay. I probably, I mean, when there's only, like, four left, they're probably, like, scattering and trying to get away at that <laughs> Then point. they start strategizing. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, you know, look, I, I would be prepared for it in that I can see them coming, and I'm just ready with kicks and punches. Okay. Like, you could just kill them with, like, one kick. One swift kick to the head. You could knock its fucking head off, basically. Yeah. You, listen, I think you could stomp them. There's a lot of ways, but 100 is a lot. Yeah. Think of, like, 100 things coming after you. I guess. Even, like, 100... Co- but like, if it's a, if we're talking one hit kills here, yeah, then like ten hits, I'm down ten percent. You know, yeah. I'm really like every time you punch or kick, you you're taking one out. Do you think you could punch or kick a hundred times? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. All right, I'm gonna say I could kill. I'm going with a hundred, and I think I could kill a dozen. Okay. I think I could. I could. Because I, I have ground-based offense. As a jiu-jitsu blue belt, oh, okay. I'd, be, I'd go and fall to my back. You're, you're going for the arm bar uh, on yeah, one of the a horses. a terrible strategy. <laughs> I'm instantly getting stampeded <laughs> by the hundred duck-sized horses. Yeah, no, so, you really screwed this one up. Yeah, if, sure. I, if I had a better game plan, but knowing me, I wouldn't. I'm just going to stay on my feet and utilize a punt-based <laughs> offense. <laughs> like Randy Orton. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Exactly. Justin. Hey, Mike, do you want to read your question live, or we should read it aloud? Well, speak, speaking of Randy Orton, Mike Noble asks, which wrestler had the best tattoos and which wrestler had the worst and why is it Orton? 
I think I'm uniquely situated to answer this one because I have the best tattoos and I know wrestlers. So I, I think my favorite wrestler tattoos are CM Punk. Yeah, I, th- I was leaning that way too. Uh, they way it's all very good. It all you know, works pe- together. People often make fun of like the Pepsi. No, it's great. Yeah, I, I think Punk has good tattoos. Yeah, I think his are the best. I couldn't really think of anyone else with really good ones. Uh... Yeah, bronze are all awful. Country I, I kind of like bronze, honestly. The not Superman bad. logo. Yeah, when he was the when black sheep of the lions. When you're a big muscle man, it says "country strong" yeah. in his bicep. These aren't just these are terrible. Jericho's tattoos are are not bad. I see they're well done, but I think the Canadian flag is super corny. I I don't know. I. I'm going CM Punk for best. I also agree with that. Now, worst total tattoos, I think there's a right answer for, and I don't think it's Randy Orton. Yeah, I think we can say it at the same time. Can we? Three, two, one. Brock Lesnar! Yes, Justin! The fucking worst. The penis sword grenade. Yeah, the sword grenade thing. The kill em all like tramp that, stamp. The sword grenade, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, like kill them all as a tramp stamp is objectively awful. We also. could do a round but on Brock Lesnar's tattoos. Sword grenade. Like, has there ever been a more misguided <laughs> tattoo in the history of human people, <laughs> not just professional wrestling? It's so just humanity. Terrible. It's so bad. I hate it. Can you believe that? Given our answer. Best versus the Beast was a match of best tattoo versus worst tattoo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do yeah. believe it. You have to be as tough as Brock Lesnar if you're going to get those tattoos. Absolutely. You, it is, you absolutely need to. <laughs> Who read the last one? Uh, I did. So well, then I'll read this one. It's lucky for me. It's my favorite thing to say aloud. Okay. This one comes to us from at Lorenzo Meow. Doug Crap. <laughs> Doug asks... You both are in charge of booking WrestleMania. What matches are you booking, and what celebs will you have in attendance? Justin, I know you have your work Christmas party, so I'm going to phrase it this way. What's your WrestleMania main event for this year? And give me one celebrity, a realistic one, that, that you could have in attendance for it. Um, I mean, I know this is not my own unique idea, but I'm so stuck on Jim Cornette's fantasy booking of Brock versus Samoa Joe oh. in a submissions match. Yeah. Like, as soon as I heard him say that, it was just like... Oh, that's all I've ever wanted, it's and so I never good, even considered right? it. Like, there's no way I can book something better than that. I don't think. Yeah. Um, unless, of course, Hideo versus Brock. <laughs> no, what was your big one the other week? Grand Metal League versus Hideo Itami versus Enzo. Was it? No, Enzo wasn't in there. No, there was like one person who could talk, or maybe it was for the best thing for the cruiserweight belt with Enzo currently has. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but Hideo and it was. It might have been Grand Metal League versus Brock. With Heyman <laughs> ditching Brock to become Grand Metal League's mouthpiece, which, hey, I still think that should happen. I mean, there's no way that's a bad match. I know. And celebrity involvement, uh, I mean, what's probably going to happen is Ronda Rousey. And oh, like, yeah, that's pretty good, and too. That is kind of one of the best you could do. Yeah, legitimacy. But, like, uh, Conor McGregor would probably be who I would fantasy book yeah, if I'm, yeah. like, going to go, you know, take anyone at all what if he walked out with Seamus that would be so weird it'd be so dope what a stupid person to attach him to I know they're both from Ireland that's yeah yeah but if he was gonna walk someone out so so Justin I feel uh, like he'd be like the guest ref in the cruiserweight match 
I don't think he has any interest in learning no. how to ref. <laughs> he all, is. All he has to do is just count the pinfall, bud. I guess that's true, bud. Yeah. But he's got to call it down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin, I feel bad because my answer is so, so similar to yours. It also was triggered by that Jim Cornette booking of the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar submission match. Both of those guys are still in mine, but mm-hmm. it's a triple threat submission match, and they're adding AJ Styles. Oh, in. I thought you were going to add Hideo Itami. Ah, <laughs> absolutely not. No, because you have the Crusher, yeah. the Kimura. And the uh, Coquina Clutch. Yes. Uh, both of them have had good matches with Brock Lesnar. I think the best of this recent run. They have some history. I think if you want to do the spot, they always do a multi-man Brock Lesnar matches where you take Brock out for a while, put him through a table or something. Oh, yeah. And then those two go. AJ and, and Joe would be awesome. And was awesome when we've seen it. Their last triple threat, the one with Chris Daniels, is one of my absolute favorite matches ever. I, I think you replace Curry Man with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> now, now we're talking. <laughs> he's hot, he's spicy. Uh, so, yeah, it's a submission match. Triple threat of AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. I know that there's shows you have to overcome. One no, 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 I'm but, into it. I like but, it. But I, I like, like it. that. Not to just one on your answer. I think as a singles match, there's argument that it could even be better. But the one in my mind was... And the breaking up of submissions in a triple threat seems really interesting to me. Like The competitors have to know. They have to take out the third guy before they even attempt it. Uh, a bit of psychology I don't think you see a lot in WWE see, right now. See, I would have booked that match, but unfortunately AJ Styles is a little bit busy on my WrestleMania card. What's he doing? He's in a ladder match with Seth Rollins. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, I mean, the the part with AJ and the ladder is good. <laughs> you need a better third com- or second competitor. No. The ladder's a competitor. No. Uh, no. Just I think we... I booked it well. Uh, and then my celebrity was also Conor McGregor. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just great minds on this alike. one. Uh, our last question this week comes, of course, from the Borg Man Superfan Blair Pacheco. And uh, what does Blair ask us, Justin? Uh, Blair asks, since I was judged so harshly, may I add, <laughs> that's something that I added, but it's very correct, Yeah. for his American Badass Undertaker take, uh, he thought that American Badass Undertaker was better than Dead Man Undertaker. Which is a horrible opinion. Uh, it, Blair, I love you. What I mean... Dog shit to your opinion. American badass? I I heard it the first time. I heard it when he wrote it. <laughs> well, do you like do you think it's a good take? No, not really. Not necessarily. Though I do like I I do have some fondness for American Badass Taker. Sure, yeah. And I do think the transition moment from like I'm no longer a, a dead man zombie demon wizard. I'm a, just a cool guy who likes motorcycles. Like, th- that is objectively very funny. But at a fundamental level, so flawed. You're giving up immortality and magic powers to ride a bike? Yeah. I think that's enough. Yeah, is he like, American badass wants taker, to be a mechanic. I'll say this. American Badass Taker was necessary to thrive in the environment that was going on in WWE at the time. But, I mean, Dead Man Streak Taker... Is Taker, you know. I mean, yes and no, you know. It's not like that era was so radically different from earlier in the Attitude Era when, like, the Ministry was, like, one of the top powers. I do feel like you could have kept that run going without making the change. But, I mean, it fit the time. And it was just... Something that he wanted for himself more so. Anyway, I like I like the fun opinions. Yeah, exactly. To ride a bike every show. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he said, since I was judged for my American Badass Undertaker being better than Dead Man Undertaker take, which is just a terrible take. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's so in terms of that take, you're taking the under. You say, <laughs> ah! uh, what wrestlers do you think had better gimmick changes than their original character? Yeah. Um. 
so I feel like for, for this one, my answer, I hope it isn't unsatisfying, but I'm going to go CM Punk. Uh, and while I do like Straight Edge Society CM Punk, I think it's a, a good act and obviously what sort of launched him to the next level. Best in the world CM Punk when he, he loses the, the proselytizing and needing to be so deathly serious cuts all the his time. Cuts hair a little bit. Yeah, he cuts it. The look's way better, right? Once mm-hmm. He gets a little more toned. He Just the trunks, the hair's cut, the beard. Uh, and best loses in the world. that Adam Cole hair and like looks more like an action figure. Of course, 100%. 100%. Uh, so I'm going to go CM Punk because I love Best in the World Punk so much. And, and that change. The Straight Edge Society felt like it had a real tangible ceiling to me, which it sort of hit as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. But Best in the World Punk was able to do whatever he wanted and hit any ceiling. So um, that's my answer. Well, I'm going to go with the best heel in the game. A heel so powerful that CM Punk was scared of him. Oh, he, stop. He left the company because he was so afraid oh, yeah, that's of the why. match. Yeah, that's why. He was terrified of what was going to happen. <laughs> well, it happened once and he did lose. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> now, I'm going to go with Triple H. Uh, the transition from... You know, the blue blood Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Can you believe you know, he beat Punk? I mean, naughty <laughs> character. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it not is. as bad as the Brock Lesnar one, but it is. But atrocious. I mean, like, that's like, good God, this Survivor Series was like literally every <laughs> meme about Triple H, like, stacked <laughs> on top of each other like a giant fucking joke. <laughs> like, so awful. Because clearly the hottest character going right now is Braun Strowman, so Triple H has to come back and put himself into the mix with that guy. But regardless, uh, the transition from, you know, uh, snotty. Uh, like American royalty or whatever his fucking gimmick was, you know, like yeah. coming up to classical music, uh, sort of thoroughbred, yeah, uh, yeah, to to the you know DX attitude character. I mean, look, Triple H is a guy who's had a number of transformations. I could even have picked like the the move from DX into kind of McMahon Helmsley, yeah. corporate Triple H. He. It just seems like I every, think you picked the better one. Every though. time he changes, it is ultimately for the better. Um, yeah. And he, like we talked about last week, even uh, like he just like he looks he looks right, even as an old guy. You know, like even more so as an old guy. I think like he just gets it. He knows what he has to do to adapt to every era in a way that is kind of rare for wrestlers. I mean, he also gives himself the opportunity to That's do it. True. He's given like That's I think most. True good minds for it could probably achieve what he has given just entering main event programs constantly and working mm-hmm. with the best guy. But like think like Cena has not changed at all in like 10 years basically as far as like his yeah. look and presentation. Goes, That's true. You know? That's true. Whereas like Triple H is constantly evolving. He's the game. Um and to to you know his betterment every single time seemingly. And my worserment Yes, <laughs> I believe it's called detriment. No, no, I don't think you it is. You got it right the, the first time. The opposite of better, yeah, is worse. Yes, you know, give your head a shake. Tr- that's I cannot argue that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. No, that's, I feel bad. That's on me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's time that we send the people home, though, Josh. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get to some party. I do. Yeah, I got an office work party this evening. So. I'm gonna go purchase a Nintendo Switch. Oh, big night for both of us then. Yeah, you're gonna be with friends, and I'm gonna find another way to play video games. Yeah, so, uh, good, good show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are, will. Are we going to hang out a bit, Mike? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll well, hang out we'll see the people next week, though. We'll be back for another one of these. I already can't wait. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to Top Marks once again. If you could be so kind as to spread the word about the show, we always appreciate it when you do that, whether it's on Twitter or just telling people in your life that, hey, 
If you're looking for a great wrestling podcast, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> Boy. Uh, it's me, Marvin, your cousin. Marvin. Hey, Marvin. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I love the idea that a cousin has to say their own last name. Ah, yeah. yeah I, I, my cousin? Who? Yeah. What? That's how cousins work. Uh, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you could also rate and review the program <laughs> on iTunes if yeah. you could be so kind. We, we got some very nice reviews. Well. We haven't shouted out the one really, really good review from a couple weeks ago. Thank you so much to the the very thorough, great, amazing review. It uh, it meant a great deal to us. There have been a couple good ones. Lately. A lot of good ones, and th- those mean the world to us, and thank you very much. Of course, and until next week, you know, the people out there, if they're living their lives, there's some rules they should follow. Tell them. They need to... You want me to start it because you don't know which one goes first. <laughs> they need to be hot. Yes! You got it, Justin! They need to crank the heat up. It's, okay. it's the winter time. Yep. It's chilly out there. Look, don't catch a cold. Stay hot. Justin, you used the word chilly in there. And for myself, my chilly, I like it a little spicy. <laughs> if I'm making chili, which I very well might, Fuck yeah. I would very much hope that not only is it spicy, but that it tastes great. Because it's... Curry Man! Wah! 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 Titus Worldwide! I feel like we should have changed his name to Chili Man. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> he's hot, he's spicy, he's great, he's Chili Man. Yeah, he's Chili Man. Dude, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> the Curry Man I made for 2K has a couple hundred downloads. Oh, really? The people want Curry Man. Shit, well done. <laughs> So silly. Titus Worldwide!